You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 83. Well, hey there, welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about why project management is all about relationships. Building powerful relationships is a learnable skill set that can unleash new levels of capacity and performance within your teams and organization. This episode is sponsored by Cyforma. Strengthen your PMO and make an impact by powering your decision-making. Cyforma PPM is a project portfolio management software that will centralize your projects, planning, and resources into one system. Use this data, portfolio simulations, health scores, status overviews, and more to drive your strategy delivery decisions. You can learn more and even check out their product demo by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash 072. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 072. With me today is Anne-Marie Curley. Anne-Marie was a part of the PMO Impact Summit for 2020, and we are having her here now on the podcast to share some brilliant insights and maybe a few lessons learned about relationships and their importance in helping you make a bigger impact in your organization. Anne-Marie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It is awesome to be here. Thanks, Laura. Absolutely. All right, Impact Drivers, let me tell you a little bit about Anne-Marie before we dive in. Originally from Ireland, which you may hear a little bit of her accent as we get going, she now lives in Vermont with her husband and their three teen boys. Oh my, I only have one who just turned 13, by the way, so I have my hands full. I can't even imagine. So she has been on top of managing those three teen boys has been managing complex projects and global teams for over 20 years. Anne-Marie runs a consulting business helping clients to transform how they work by leading their digital transformations and training their teams on project management and leadership. Before moving to Vermont, she spent 10 years leading teams and developing trading systems in New York City. Wow. Well, you've certainly had your hands full in a very interesting career, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much again for being here, and I'm excited to dive into today's topic. Yeah, it's such an important topic and not one that we often talk about enough, so it's good to have an opportunity to just focus on relationships today. Oh, for sure. And before we dive in, I'm going to be honest with you and all of our impact drivers listening. I really believe that because I'm so outcome-focused, got to find the silver lining, I really didn't understand how important relationships were to the work that I was doing. If I look back over the 15 years inside organizations as a PMO leader, I definitely can see some lessons learned that I had to learn the hard way because I was so driven and was trying so hard to support my teams and make a big impact and help our organizations do big things that sometimes I didn't have enough emphasis on the relationships and it really hurt me and caused a lot of friction and probably even, well, I'm sure it impacted my PMOs and the people on my teams because if it was a place where I didn't have those strong relationships, 
really we couldn't get done what we were trying to get done. So I learned the hard way sometimes along the way how important those relationships are and frankly spent a great deal of my time with my coaching students in my Impact Engine PMO training program we've talked about focused on relationships and why those are so important for you to be successful in your organization. So I've been there. I've learned some tough lessons of not doing it well. And I got to tell you, I am excited to dive into this topic because truly for me, understanding that became a real game changer to my success and my students' success. And I really didn't take it as seriously as I should have early on. Because, you know, when you're an impact driver, you got to also remember there's people you need to bring with you through the change. So <laughs> with that said, I would love to know, Anne-Marie, if you can talk about why this is so important for you. Well, our stories are remarkably similar. So I also learned the hard way how important relationships are within the context of our organizations and our professional lives. And I blazed a trail towards results. And I was always very outcome focused, very results focused. And in going along that trail and blazing that trail, I often didn't take enough time to really bring people along with me. And I was a very strong advocate for the people in my team and the people I was leading. So mm -hmm. I would go to bat for them and I would work really hard to create an environment where they were successful, but I didn't take the time to really build very strong relationships outside of the immediate team in our organization. And I did pretty well when I was working on Wall Street and working within very complex projects and, you know, rescuing projects, rescuing teams and really taking on some very challenging work. It, it seemed to work out okay, but never really became a, a problem that uh, caused me problems. Fast forward a few years, I came to Vermont and I took on a position leading a small team. And after a while, we were, I was really focused on building that team up and really supporting that team and getting them the training that they needed. Very team focused, but I really learned the hard way. I was let go from that role um, because I had neglected to build strong relationships with my peers throughout the organization. So while I was really focused on being an advocate for the team, I was leaving everybody else behind in the mm. dust. And I really didn't appreciate how important that was until... I had to step back from the organization and really evaluate how I was going to start again. So I learned the hard way. I have the scars to prove it. Oh, that is so good. And it's funny because as I was listening to you talk, I remembered one of the positions that I held inside an organization where I should have known from the 16 interviews and the psych evaluation I had to go through in order to get the job that they were very relationship focused and very people focused. And it still wasn't enough for me to really understand it until I was inside the organization and I was building a PMO that was in a part of the organization that had never had a successful PMO before because it was a really tough part of the organization to make that kind of structure and infrastructure work. And I remember I kept hitting brick walls when I was trying to get things done and Finally, some mentors and actually on the business side, my executive sponsor said, listen, this organization puts relationships above productivity. And I was so mad, I was so <laughs> frustrated and so annoyed. I was like, how can that be? How can you run a company that way? They care more about whether or not you are friends and people like you than they do what you've accomplished. And that 
blew my mind and it was so true. And once I finally embraced that and really understood that and built those relationships, it ultimately led me to being a lot more successful in the organization. But frankly, I totally underestimated and undervalued, underappreciated the importance and would get so annoyed that I have to spend all of this time building all these relationships and all the coffees and all the lunches and all the time spent chit-chatting, which I thought was a total waste of time. I mean, listen, I'm as friendly as the next person and I have a lot of relationships and had a lot of relationships, but I was at work and I was about getting stuff done, right? So that's what I cared about. And I was so annoyed that I had to spend so much time in all the stuff that didn't feel like it was productive. And now today, Anne-Marie, I got to tell you, these are the first things that I recommend to my students when they're struggling is go have, and even if you're in a virtual environment, have a virtual coffee, have a virtual happy hour, have a non-working conversation, relationship building experience, because until they know, like, and trust you, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. So I am with you 100%. Why we had to learn it the hard way, I don't know, but apparently we did. <laughs> but now we'll carry it forward, right? Because this is the message that I think we have to sing from the trees, right? Because we are so busy and, and people are overwhelmed within their organization and there's so much work to get done. And we've had so many challenges thrown at us that it is sometimes hard to really step back and take the time to really nurture those relationships that are important. And mm -hmm. even if you have to stick a little sticky note on your computer to say, you know, put people first, put relationships first, take a deep breath and ask them how they're doing, you know, do it, stick the note on your computer so that you rem remember to ask those questions and really remember that we're people first and we're humans first and, and lead in a way that just, you know, put your heart out there first. And I know it sounds very woo woo. This is, you know, anyone who, <laughs> is listening to this who knows me is going to go, you know, oh my gosh, what has happened to her? I would never have pegged her as a warm and fuzzy project manager. But this stuff is important. This is what makes teams gel. And this is, if you want to create a really high performing team, then you need to create an environment of trust, mutual trust, mutual accountability, mutual respect right across the team. And then that team will carry it forward. Um, yeah. But you've got to, it starts with building really strong relationships and building a foundation where people can feel like they, it's in a safe environment and they can speak up and say, hey, you know, I'm really concerned about how we're doing this, or I know you'd like to do it this way, but I think we should do it this way. We should consider these other angles. Whatever it is we're trying to do, we really want to invite people to come to the table and giving their feedback, giving their perspective and, and hearing and sharing their insights. And you can only do that if you've built an environment of trust across the team. So true. And Here's the thing, for all of you impact drivers listening who are kind of what we're saying is resonating with you about how frustrating it can be and how it seems like it's not helping you achieve your outcomes and all that, where it doesn't come naturally to you, just take a step back and consider this. I, Anne-Marie, I know you well enough to know that you probably have an enormous heart and you very much care about people. So it's not, and I can tell you for me personally, I am such a sap, right? Like when I'm in my coaching program and my students have big wins, I get all teary eyed. So it's not that people that don't put relationships first when they're hard driven are just cold and heartless. We're just 
so focused on achieving the outcomes because we know that will help everyone and our goal and our hearts are in this place of wanting to serve wanting to help people protecting our teams advocating for our teams we do it truly from a place of love and a lot of positivity it just doesn't appear that way <laughs> to others if we don't build that trusted relationship first so i just want to say for all of you impact drivers listening who some of this is resonating with like Ugh, i don't want to take the time yes and just understand that, look, we get it that you've got a heart of gold and other people need to see that. Other people need to see you as a human, especially if you're working in an environment where you're continuing to be virtual all the time. People need to see that you're real. And some of that is kind of happening casually now with a lot of people getting their kids or their pets or others in their family involved, right? Because of all the Zoom or other virtual conferencing, virtual work. But it really does play an important role. And I'm glad you kind of gave it that context of project management and why it's so important for us, because literally what we do is get work done through people, right? We only get work done through people, right? So we're, we're constantly pushing the project forward and pushing all the tasks forward, but it's people who are doing that. It's, we, we are transitioning people as well from how they're doing things currently to what their new world is gonna look like with the outcomes of projects. So we even call that change management, right? It's considered mm -hmm. as something separate from project management. But in my view, change management really has to be a core fundamental in how you're leading a project overall, right? You, you've got to consider what is the changes that's occurring to bring this project team together right out of the gate? What's the behavior change that you need to see to make that team gel? How do we foster really good relationships and have this team come together really quickly so that they can be effective? And then on the far end of the project how do we engage all of those stakeholders so that as we move through to achieve whatever outcome we're trying to achieve from a project perspective those people are ready to adopt it and embrace it and move into that change and are not change resistant and that's all about relationships the team within the team it's all about relationships and across the organization and with all of our stakeholders it's all about relationships as well and sometimes as project managers, we tend to go through the list of things we need to do, right? So we all know as project managers, well, let's do a project charter. Let's mm -hmm. do a stakeholder analysis. Those are checks that we, we check those boxes early on in our initiate phase of the project. And we often don't go back to them. I tell the project leaders that I coach, I tell them about the project charter is not a document. It's actually a conversation. So it's mm -hmm. about how do you ask the questions? How do you sit with the people that are going to be impacted by the project or that you need help from for the project to be successful, sit with them, have those real conversations. Yes, then you document it so that you have it there, but it's not about getting to a document. It's about getting to a place of common understanding and the same for the stakeholder analysis. We, think about a stakeholder analysis as who's impacted by the project or by the outcome of the project, right? That's the mm -hmm. formal definition. But I also say, well, who else do you need within the organization to help you support for the project to be successful? So for instance, where many of us are running projects where we have team members that are cross-functional. So they report into other functional managers. And many of those team members also have competing priorities, but they're not under your control as the project manager. And you can't tell them to stop work on one project so that they can focus on your project. So in order for them to really focus on your project, well, you need a 
a solid relationship with their supervisor or with their manager and with that part of the organization so that you can understand what's driving their priorities and they can understand what's driving yours and together you can come to a common understanding around what's the most important thing for the organization right now and you only get there through a healthy relationship oh that's so good so good and i really hope that all of our impact drivers listening are considering that it's not just the people that are on that stakeholder checklist of the people directly impacted by or believed to be impacted by and that's another area that i like to tell people is it's not just the people directly impacted by or impacting the outcomes of the project, but it's also people who think they are involved, right? (laughs) Because sometimes your biggest advocates or people that could really derail your project come from surprising places. So it's important to kind of expand our scope. And I love how you talked about it's not just a one-time thing. We've got to make sure we get out of this mode of box checking of getting through the check, I did my risk register, check, I did my charter, check, I did my stakeholder management plan. It's literally something that you should be using that should evolve and you should continue as a part of your conversation going forward. So I love that. That's awesome. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about what happens when things don't go so well. You and I probably have enough battle scars to tell a million stories about what things look like when they don't go well, right? But can you talk about what the impacts are to our projects, to our PMOs, when the relationships break down? Well, even if the relationship hasn't broken down, but it's not really on solid footing, there's so much negative energy spent in a person's mind, spinning and ruminating on whatever it is that they're concerned about or whatever it is that they're anxious about. And if they don't have a forum where they can go and actually bring that to someone and have a healthy conversation and bring it to resolution, well, they're gonna continue ruminating on it. And then as soon as something else hits them, they're going to break down. They're not going to be able to carry that emotionally. And you're gonna see it, see an impact to the team, see an impact, maybe you'll see some conflict on the team, or maybe you'll see somebody step back and not be engaged in the conversation. And then what happens often is that way down the road, some issue comes to light that really throws your project off kilter, right? It's either Mm -hmm. off schedule or affects your budget or something comes up that you really have to deal with and you lost that opportunity to handle that earlier in the project because that person was maybe not engaged and didn't feel comfortable bringing it forward. And I can't tell you the number of projects I've worked on where people in a room where we've talked about what I thought was hard stuff and we went around the room and we would have a cross-functional team and they would all nod in agreement. Yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah, we can do that. And then they would walk away and it could be weeks later when I would hear through the third person, oh, such and such thinks this won't work because of A. B, C, and D. It's like, well, you know, we had this open forum. Why wouldn't that person have brought it up in that forum so we could have dealt with it? Because that would have saved us four weeks of of work heading down this other path. And so we waste such a lot of time going around in circles and revisiting conversations and talking in silos behind closed doors because people are afraid to have some of these conversations out in the open. Oh, that is so true. So Where do the opportunities lie then for your leaders, any leaders listening to kind of embrace this more open dialogue philosophy? 
So I think it, the opportunities are there every day. You just need to be able to spot them. So for instance, today I had a call with one of my, um, she's a peer, I'm, I'm a consultant on a large project. I'm leading it from a program perspective and she manages the team and the, this team of leads are really pivotal in the, the success of the project. And she's telling me that her team's very concerned. They're feeling overwhelmed from an energy perspective. They're not in a great place. And a lot of the stuff that's going on in this 2020 world is really affecting them. And so how does she deal with that? We're starting a big phase of the project coming up and she's really concerned about how her team are going to be able to navigate through that given all of the overwhelm that they're feeling and the negative energy that's out there. And I said, well, as a leader, you have a responsibility to help guide and lead and facilitate them through that. And they may not be able to see themselves that they need to be able to create healthy boundaries for themselves between the constraints that they can control and the constraints that they cannot control. So if you take them through an exercise and say, let's talk about your constraints, let's talk about what's worrying you, let's categorize them into here's the things I can control or here's the things that we can control within the project and here's the other things that's bothering you but we can't control. So can we put those things that we can't control to the side? Can you create a boundary around them so that you're not going to let them affect you emotionally? And let's focus on what we can control and let's move forward together. And as leaders within our organizations, we have that responsibility, even though it might be something emotional that's affecting somebody that might not be directly related to their position, but it's affecting their ability to show up in a way that's helping the team move forward. So we have to be able to address it. This is so good, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much. All right. Let's talk real brass tacks inside the project teams themselves. Where do you see teams kind of disintegrating or disconnects with communication and engagement and all of these components inside the teams? We've looked at where the opportunities are for leaders, but how does that play out when there are disconnects within the project team itself? Yeah, that's a great question. So many of our project teams today are made up from different people from different parts of the organization. So I run projects that have, let's say, HR finance folks and maybe IT folks, and then maybe subject matter experts from within these organizations. So many different people from many different parts of the organizations, they've all got their own unique challenges that they're dealing with within their own set of the organization. And then they've got the project on top of that. So the project, they're not 100% allocated to the project in many cases. And many of our teams are made up in this way. And so often I see disconnects where the team members are short with one another and they don't necessarily appreciate why, why is this other team member? Why are those people always showing up this way, right? So in many cases we were running a project that is maybe HR focused and the finance teams are, well, why is that HR's decision? Why isn't that our decision? Why do they always go first? There's three of us here. There's three of our groups here. Why don't we matter? And that's how they feel, but it's this sort of being left behind and not really appreciating other people's perspectives throughout the organization and, and being able to talk about that in a healthy way. And I, I see it as well when we've got vendors and client teams. So, mm-hmm. you know, especially client teams don't always appreciate that a vendor organization has many, many different client projects that they're running and they're sort of showing up and, you know, if the client, if the vendor's doing really well, then their sales team are pushing forward and they've got a lot of different projects that they're managing and they don't always know how to balance that for each client. So there's a 
disconnect from what the client expects to see from the vendor and what the vendor expects to see from the client and expectations aren't necessarily aligned. And when expectations aren't aligned and we can't talk about what those common expectations should be, then breakdowns occur. So I think it just wastes so much negative energy and we're just churning and we're spiraling and we're having the same conversations over and over. And then there's an angst that that happens and then people carry that anxiousness around with them and then they're afraid to talk more openly about it. And it just results in this wasted negative energy that affects everybody on the team then. Right, for sure. And for all of you impact drivers that are listening, this should really hit home for you the most because if you're the kind of person that really is outcome focused, then understand that your ability to manage relationships, build that trust, become the trusted advisor to everybody that you're working with on your projects that are tangentially connected to the projects, those relationships will make or break the success of your project. So if you are outcome focused, truly, you must understand the important role of relationships in helping you achieve your outcomes. And I know for me, when that light bulb went off, that the better I got at building those relationships, building that trust, having those good conversations, helping people connect with why we were doing what we were doing and how we were doing it. Once I did all of that, I was able to achieve the outcomes that we were looking for. I was able to help facilitate and drive those outcomes, which really fed my inner drive, right? So you think you're a driver until you've really built those relationships and created that connectivity. Once you get that team humming along, like you talked about, organizational change management is so important. That is when you can make your biggest impact. So if nothing else, Anne-Marie has been sharing here, has really hit you at your core as a driver, this certainly should. If you want to achieve the highest impact for your organization and you truly want to be an impact driver, you must put relationships first. So thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for sharing that. All right, let's kind of wrap this up for everybody and give them some really important key takeaways for all of our impact drivers listening on what they should consider Let's say we've sold everybody and like, okay, I get it. I get it. I got to focus on the relationships. Okay. What do you want them to think about? What are some of these big takeaways? And then we'll dive into how they can go put it into action right away. Perfect. So I think if you've got a team of people that you are leading right now, I would ask, do you have guiding principles in place around how you want to operate as a team? And what are the behaviors that you're seeing as a team? And if you haven't taken time to do that, maybe you've got an opportunity where you could create a team charter. So you bring your team together, you talk about the values that are important to you as a team, you talk about the constraints that the team is working under, you talk about how you want to handle conflict and disagreements as a team and you put together those guiding principles around how you want to operate as a team. If you're at the starting gate of a project, this is the perfect time. I would say do it even before you do your project charter. It's a much more important conversation to have right out of the gate at the start of a project. If your project's underway right now and you're moving forward, then I would go back and really look at the stakeholders, look at your team engagement, look at your stakeholder engagement and really identify any other relationships that you should be spending time nurturing and make sure that you've got time on the calendar. You've got this regular cadence to talk to 
those people that are really important for you to build relationships with. And you've got that time set aside. It might be 15 minutes on a bi-weekly basis. It, maybe it's every three or four weeks for half an hour, but you have some time on the calendar that's allocated to checking in with those people and making sure that you understand what's going on in their world. They can talk to you about what's going on in the project world. And you've just got an opportunity to brainstorm together and come together and continue to build a relationship that's going to help your entire team be successful. Oh, that's so good. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, one bit of advice that I like to share with PMO leaders, well, and all project managers, all of our impact drivers, and it really starts to hit when you get to the PMO level and the higher up you move into the organization, your job becomes more and more about relationships. When I was first starting out my career and maybe in the first decade or so, I would see all of these business leaders that were going to play golf or they were going to have lunch together, or they're going to have the coffees or they were doing all of these things together that were very much relationship building. And I really didn't understand until I was higher up in my career and then a part of PMO and then officer in organizations. And then I realized that the real work happened because they built those relationships. So whenever I needed to get something from one of my stakeholders, let's say a sponsor, I like to teach my students to always really understand how the real relationships work in an organization, right? Yeah. So when I needed someone to remove a barrier, or if I was having a problem with one of my key stakeholders in a different business unit, I'd figure out who they knew, who they had relationships with, and then I would ask them for some help. And it would work every single time because they had that trusted relationship with that person and it becomes personal, right? Somebody will say, oh, I'm not going to support this project. I'm not going to engage. Sorry, I don't have any time for you. I don't have time to give you the resources. And then their friend comes and says, hey, do me a favor. And all of a sudden the barriers are broken, right? So Absolutely. I really saw that play out a lot. And early in my career, I didn't understand it. Again, I thought it was such a waste of time. And it <laughs> says, I make myself sound like I have no friends, right? It's not that at all. Just when I was in work mode, I was in work mode and I was driven, right? And over my career, I saw how effective it was to build those relationships and create that connectivity for the purpose of having that trust and that bond so that when you need something, you've got people that have your back and that are willing to go to bat for you and all of those things. And it really did help move things so much more quickly. So I definitely think that this is such good advice to really harness those relationships and do things right now that are very practical. So speaking of practicality, our impact drivers want to know what to do next. So what actions can our community take right now to improve their relationships? What's your advice for them, Anne-Marie? So I would say start with your stakeholder analysis, start with a key relationship analysis, really think about who do you need to have support you to help your project or help you be successful within your organization. And then what support does your team need and who do you need to get that support from and, and pull that together and then really start to look at the relationships that are in place right now and the context of those relationships and think about what relationships do you need to spend more time on. And I do have a stakeholder and key relationships accelerator download that we can put out in the show notes for your listeners and that would provide a good starting point and, and some directions around how to go about that. 
That is so awesome. Anne-Marie, thank you so much. Yes, we'll have the link in the show notes. Make sure you go to pmostrategies.com and then click on podcast and you'll find Anne-Marie's episode. And on that page will be a link to learn more about Anne-Marie as well as a link to this accelerator. And I love anything that has the name accelerator on it. So that is awesome. <laughs> wow, Anne-Marie, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to really impress upon all of our impact drivers the importance of bringing people with you through the process, through the change, which I wholeheartedly agree, and doing so in a way that builds some strong, trusted relationships, positions all of you impact drivers as the trusted advisor in your organization so that you can make the biggest impact possible. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. It's been awesome to talk through this and spend time focused on relationships. So thank you for the opportunity to have this great conversation. Absolutely. All right, Impact Drivers, that's it for today's session. Make sure you go to pmostrategies.com, click on the podcast, find Anne-Marie's episode and dive into her relationship building stakeholder resource. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Cyforma. Strengthen your PMO and make an impact by powering your decision-making. Cyforma PPM is project portfolio management software that will centralize your projects, planning, and resources into one system. Use this data, portfolio simulations, health scores, status overviews, and so much more to drive your strategy delivery decisions. Now you can check them out right on our podcast page at pmostrategies.com forward slash 072. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 072. Check them out today. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.